the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fellow redeemed, Satan is real. While we can't see him with our physical eyes, he's real. The Old Testament and the Gospel for this first Sunday in Lent testify of this. Just saying of him, or him of the day. While Satan is real, there are certainly misconceptions about him. The first is that Satan is some sort of unconquerable foe against whom no one, not even God himself, can defeat. Here it's important to remember that Satan is an angel. Like the other angels, he was created by God at the time of creation. And not only that, but like all the other angels, he was created good and holy initially. At some point, Satan and a multitude of other angels rejected God, turned away from him. They fell from the truth into lying. They fell from holiness into uncleanliness. They became evil. So Satan is an angel, an evil angel. And as an angel, he's not equal to God. He's not all-powerful. He's not all-knowing like God is. He's not able to do anything beyond what God permits. Yet this doesn't mean that Satan is harmless. This is the other misconception about him. Scripture reveals he is our evil foe. Scripture calls him a roaring lion who seeks someone to devour. Satan is our arch enemy. His goal is to lead you into sin and unbelief and ultimately to lead you to hell itself. And he's pretty good at it. Since man's fall into sin, he's claimed countless victims. And he is not done. While there's misconceptions about Satan, there's also misconceptions about Jesus. One is that Jesus came to earth only to be our example, to show us how we can make it to heaven. Well, if this were the case, well, then Jesus would be nothing more than a second Moses, a new lawgiver. Without a savior from sin and death, this leaves us with no hope of salvation. Because salvation would be completely dependent upon us. The second misconception about Jesus is that Jesus didn't come to be our example at all. Since Jesus has overcome sin and temptation in our place, we don't need to learn from Jesus on how to behave. Yet consider the hymn from last week. Let us ever walk with Jesus, follow his example pure, through a world that would deceive us and to sin our spirits, Lord. Jesus kept God's law perfectly for you. That is, he loved his father perfectly for you. He loved his neighbor perfectly for you. And so there's no one better for you to imitate. To to think that sinning doesn't matter, that we don't need to resist Satan, is dangerous. Because it gives gives the victory back to Satan. 
after Jesus has won the victory over him through his crucifixion and resurrection. If you continue in sin without repenting, then you lose your salvation, as the author to the Hebrews writes. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. So Jesus came to be our Savior, to defeat Satan for us through his perfect life, through his crucifixion and resurrection. And having made us children of God, we follow in his footsteps so that we can resist Satan's attacks. Now, correcting these misconceptions about Satan and Jesus is important when confronting our own battle with Satan in this life. In our gospel this morning, you'll notice that immediately after Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, declared to be the beloved Son of God, with whom the fathers will please, the Holy Spirit drives him out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In the same way, well, so are we. Baptized into Christ's death and resurrection, we're made sons of God, heirs of the kingdom of heaven. And immediately after this, we're brought into the wilderness of this world, where Satan and his demons tempt us in order to lead us into unbelief and ultimately death. It's an extreme hunger, having fasted 40 days and 40 nights, that Jesus is tempted by Satan. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Our bodies need bread, right? It's God who provides us with what our body needs. Clothing, shoes, food, drink, house, home, etc. And yet, more than daily bread, you need the Word of God. In fact, it would be better to go without food, to starve, than to go without the Word of God. For only the Word of God gives you what you truly need. Forgiveness, life, salvation. And apart from God's Word, there is none of that. There is no life. And the body would perish eternally. And this is where Satan tempts us. He leads us to believe that the most important thing that we need is food in our stomachs, clothes on our back. And when daily bread is lacking, then he leads us to doubt God's love. To lead us to doubt that God will take care of us. Now we need to take matters into our own hands. And while we easily fall for Satan lies, well, Jesus comes and faces this temptation for you. It's true God in human flesh and blood. Jesus had the power to change those stones into bread, and yet he didn't. He resisted Satan's lying words with the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's as if he said, no matter what happens to me, in life or in death, I will trust my Father's word. After this, 
We see that the devil takes Jesus to the holy city and sets him on the pinnacle of the temple and says to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now with these words, we see that Satan shows himself to be an expert in handling scripture. And yet, he's a liar. He always mangles and twists God's word in order to serve his evil purposes. In this instance, Satan leaves out the words, in all your ways. These words speak of God's protection from dangers that approach the righteous walking in his ways. And so twisting and mangling God's words, Satan tempts us to put God to the test. We do this when, uh, when we do what God forbids. With the thought, God loves me. He'll protect me no matter what I do. And so Satan fools people into a variety of sins, neglecting church, hearing God's word, participating in sins like drunkenness and fornication, all while thinking that things, these things are not that bad. God won't let the saving faith depart from my heart. But faith doesn't test God. Faith trusts God in his word. And it's why Jesus didn't throw himself down and points to Scripture. Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Unable to get Jesus to stumble, Satan tries again. He took Jesus to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. You see this? Here Satan places before Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus could have it all if only he would bow down and worship Satan. This temptation seems silly, right? Jesus is true God, the one who created the heavens and the earth. Satan has no authority to give the kingdoms of the world. Not only that, but Jesus is God in human flesh and blood. He would never worship Satan. Yet this temptation shows us that every sin ultimately is a sin against the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. Well, redeemed Satan can't make good on his promises. Remember again, he's a fallen angel. He's not the triune God, the ultimate ruler of this earth. And yet, you're to worship God alone. You're to desire him, to receive from him all the good things that he gives to you through his word and the sacraments. And to return to him all glory and honor and thanks and praise. Yet when you set aside God's command to worship him alone... For the sake of something else, popularity, wealth, power, security, you fall into idolatry. When you fear, love, and trust in someone or something other than God, you break 
the first commandment. Jesus, however, never broke the first commandment. He never worshipped Satan or any other false god. He said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden, Satan's strategy for temptation has been to make people question God's word. You heard it in the Old Testament reading for this day. Adam and Eve didn't obey God's word. They fell into Satan's trap. And yet their sin didn't just affect them. Their sin affected all people of all time, including each and every single one of us. Because Adam sinned, we sinned. Because Adam stood guilty before God, we stood guilty before God. In Adam's death, we die. And yet this is exactly why God takes on human flesh and blood in the person of Jesus. Jesus lived the perfect life for you. He lived in a perfect obedience to the Father. In fact, he was tempted in every single way that you are, yet without sin. And not only that, he suffered your punishment, your death on the cross for sin. Even there, Satan was tempting him. Yet it wouldn't be, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. No. It would be, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. And just like in the wilderness, Satan wouldn't be able to trick Jesus. On the cross, Jesus stayed and died. And it's Jesus' death that wins the victory over Satan. And he proves his victory over Satan through his glorious resurrection from the dead. Jesus' victory over Satan affects all people for all times, including you. Jesus' victory over Satan becomes your victory over Satan. Jesus' perfect life becomes your perfect life. Jesus' eternal life with the Father becomes your eternal life with God the Father. Fellow redeemed, Jesus is your Savior. It's true that in this life, we'll continue to face temptations by Satan... Even though he's been defeated through the cross of Christ, he still roams around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour until that last day where his defeat is fully revealed. Yet when Satan tempts you, tries to claim you as his own, we follow our Savior's example, declaring, It is written. It is written, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. When Satan tempts you into believing that your sins are too big to be forgiven, we follow our Savior's example, declaring, it is written. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you forgive them, they, if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. 
with these words, you can believe that when the called ministers of Christ deal with you by His divine command, this is just as valid and certain, even in heaven, as if Christ, our dear Lord, dealt with you Himself. And when Satan's constant tempting wearies you physically and spiritually, at the Lord's table, Jesus feeds you His very body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. And He doesn't lie. For it is written, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. For in the sacrament, you are to receive from Christ's lips the forgiveness of sins which contains and brings with it God's grace and spirit with all his gifts, protection, defense, and power against death and the devil and every trouble in life. Oh, redeemed, when you're faced with temptations, look to Jesus, your Savior. Follow his example. The Lord's response to Satan's temptation points you to the best weapon and the only weapon that you will ever need. Again and again and again, Jesus says, it is written. Even the Lord himself used the written word, for this word is solid and lasting. It's trustworthy. It can't be changed. You can take comfort knowing that Jesus is by your side. Through his victory over Satan, he's given you everything you need for this life and for the life to come. God be praised. Amen. Peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.